So hey everybody, welcome to the uh, Prove It Live podcast. Today's guest is, uh, we'll get to in a few minutes, is former uh, and hopefully the current major league pitcher, Dan Schlereth. Um, so I want to introduce my lovely co-host, Elena. Hi, Elena. Hi. So, you know, the purpose of this podcast is really to kind of enlighten people on injury. Okay, so I've got some some some, some news from this week. So, Elena, I've examined 11 no it's 11 no sorry eight 11 and 12 year olds in the last two weeks for the game test four of them have been referred out to orthopedic surgeons wow four. that's a lot it's a high percentage yeah so we're running on the on the area scouts platform at between 50 about 55 percent of people who get the test have to be need actual medical attention not just need corrective exercise actually have some sort of thing wrong with them that they need to see a higher level uh you know orthopedic or pediatric something and i find, wow. I find that to be um heartbreaking egregious excessive sad heartbreaking and guess what they're still pitching one of the kids i examined today was gonna continue to pitch like this weekend in some sort of tournament. <laughs> I said, you know, does your arm hurt? Yeah, every time I throw. Oh, okay, there's something wrong with that. So, and the, and the other thing, too, is I was telling another guy. So, I coach. Uh, I've been demoted from coaching college summer league. I left there because the college athlete just drives me insane. So, now <laughs> and in 12-year-olds. So, instead of them driving me insane – their parents drive me insane. So, you know, because every 10-year-old, I don't know if you know that, is going to go from the 10-year-old AU team directly to Major League Baseball. They have a new path. I don't know if you knew that. That's going right there. That's direct, directly there. So, you know, the 10-year-olds, I asked, you know, because we're, we're having a tough time um, doing the thing in baseball that you have to do. You have to impede the ball's progress when it's hit. Called like catching, like so. Balls hit at you. So just so you know, you gotta impede it. You gotta, you gotta stop it. It's called catching, right? You just kind of. I get that. I get that. I'm advice. not that bad. It's great advice. <laughs> I don't have to do it. Like I don't care. You just, I just need you to kind of just catch it, right, right here. Yeah. Court, yeah. Right. Stop it. Just stop the ball from going somewhere other than right you, right. So that's it. So impede the ball's progress. So, excuse the thunder in the background. So, <clears throat> I have there's like 22 kids between the 10s and the 12s we took a survey today what did you do today i got up what time everyone gets up early now these kids don't stay in bed which is good what did you do i went swimming then what'd you do i played Fortnite. then what'd you do i played i played that i played this i played that 22 kids no one actually took ball threw ball against wall or something to catch ball and impede ball's progress to be better so these parents are paying thousands of dollars for this AU program and letting their kids sit on their buttocks six hours a day to play video games. I don't get it. And then they wonder why they're hurt. It's crazy. So it's one of the things that we talked about when we were kids, even though I wasn't an athlete, that uh, I still spent time throwing a ball against a wall because that was just fun to do. And there wasn't uh, Fortnite. And there wasn't... Uh, anything more than three television channels oh. and I didn't have control over the television that you had to get up and change the channel on 
Right. So I left because I didn't want to watch the news and that was really my only choice. So I went and did stuff. And that's something actually that I think the youth of today does, has as a, as a detriment to them because they, they don't really need to move. In order to move, they have to pay. Um, they have to pay to get an activity that is scheduled for them to move at, which is bizarre. So now the, think, the latest thing. So I, growing up, Anthony could probably attest to this. So you were judged on your social status, not by how much really money you had or where you lived, but what video game system you had. <laughs> kids had ColecoVision, right, which had these like you know great graphics. Which well, there was Atari, right? Dude, I'm 54. I had Atari. You, you get the wrong guy. Yeah, the middle, the, senior. the middle rich kids had Intellivision, and then the poor kids like me, we had Atari. One, you know, one stick, and that's exactly like, right. We did all that, and that was. Um, so now the latest thing is virtual reality, where kids just really sit on the rear end again and just kind of turn, and like, and that's what they do. To play, to do anything. They put these goggles on, and and even less, even less moving. And then they want to watch. Anyway, so let's get to our guest who has taken time out of his schedule here, trying to make his way back to major league. We have with us Dan Schlereth, um, which is an impossible name to spell if you went to Northeastern, where I did, where the NCAA college. I had it up twice and still wasn't. But I spelled it correctly. I think that I did. So my, I've been actually, Dan doesn't know, following Dan's career for a very long time because I followed Dan's father's career for a long time because Dan's dad played for my favorite football team, the Washington. Something. Don't, don't say it, Kevin. Don't say it. Something. The Washington, Washington team. The, the, the like 12, 11 guy, the Washington team. team. Who was the Redskins? Redskins, yes. It actually – I was away this weekend, and I went to a sporting a memorabilia store. There were two uh, Washington Redskins stickers left, and I bought one, stuck one on my truck, and one on my computer, okay, because I've been a Redskins fan uh, for as long as Joe Theismann started. My dad was a huge Notre Dame fan, and Theismann came from Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. I'm not complaining about that. But anyway, so then I went to the Redskins, and that's how I became a fan, and uh, Dan's dad was a great lineman for my Washington Redskins, but then then left. I think I forget. We'll have to ask Dan where he went after that. So with that, I'd like to introduce Dan Schlereth, who has taken time to uh, come on board with us. Uh, and Dan is a uh, was a first-round draft pick, okay, which is an amazing accomplishment, and played in the major leagues. I remember him with Detroit, and last year he was with uh, – Let's see, who's that team in Boston? What the oh, yeah, the Red Sox. I think he played the Red Sox for a while. I think they still have a team. I'm not really sure. They may have folded. But I'd like to introduce Dan. So, Dan, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Doing, doing well. How's everybody doing? I think everyone's out there doing great. So, you know, Dan, my dad worked at, you know, I thought it was a cool job. He worked at this factory, and he, they made, like, plastic molds. So he'd bring home. Like though he was the company that did the um, glow in the dark stick, so I thought that was really cool. How was it growing up with a, a dad that played in the National Football League? Yeah, it was pretty neat. I, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if he was like a plumber, or a, a desk job guy. I didn't really know the difference, so uh, 
I, I thought everybody's dad played in the NFL. So it was, it was pretty normal for me growing up. Um, my dad was just a lot bigger and stronger and, and <laughs> larger than most people's fathers. But uh, for me, it was, it was normal. It was normal life for me. So did you get to go to any, like, you know, tell us about a kid. I mean, you know, I got to, you know, watch my dad. I went to work with him a couple times, which I thought was cool. Like, I mean, did you get to go to the games? Did you, like, you know, your dad played a couple teams. One was the Redskins, but where else did he play? He Denver, did. right? Did he play yeah, for he's Broncos. He's Redskins for six years, or the, the Washington football team for six years. Redskins, oh, my goodness, Jesus. Yeah, right. And then uh, – the Broncos for for his last six years, so twelve twelve years total. Twelve years, okay. And then now you're you're so speaking of injury. I mean, your your dad was famous for having um, a couple of knee injuries. <laughs> yeah. And and how many knee surgeries did your dad have? Uh, knee, I believe he had twenty four on his knees, and then uh, I think it was twenty nine or thirty total surgeries. Now I'm assuming that dad has new knee. New titanium knees walking around. I'm assuming not, right? not yet. He's not still be serious, really. Still bone on, but well, he takes care of himself. So he uh, he's in uh, his shape. Yeah, dropped a bunch of weight, and um, he's still he's in the gym lifting weights two three days a week, and he um, looks like he could still play. Honestly, uh, has a little not a huge limp, but his left knee is kind of bone on bone. But for the most part, uh, he's doing pretty dang good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now he is, is he still with ESPN? No, he, he works with Fox. Now he calls games for Fox and he's got a, uh, a sports radio show here in Denver that he does. Oh, that's great. Uh, every that's morning. Great. Yeah. That's cool. So enough about dad who that trader went to the Broncos, but that's okay. I'll forgive him. Yeah. No, it's all right. So tell us about you. How did you uh, get involved with baseball? I mean, obviously your dad played football. Did you play football as a kid? I did. Yeah. Football is actually my favorite sport. Um, it still is my favorite sport, but growing, growing up, I just, I mean, like most of us, we want to be like our dads and, um, I really wanted to play football. I'm just, if you've seen me in real life, I'm not the biggest person. Uh, I kind of got my dad's upper body and chest width, but my, my mom's lower body and my mom's height. Uh, <laughs> my mom's about five, two and, and my father is, about six four um and when he played he was around 285 290 my mom maybe weighs 100 pounds <laughs> so, uh, I got my mom's height and um I guess my dad's upper body so I'm kind of right in the middle of both of them okay so what position did you play when you played football I played uh quarterback but we ran a lot we we had like uh we would throw bombs probably five to ten times a game and run the rest of the game really um, so when they stacked the box, when the linebackers came up and the state and the DBs would come up, we would throw over the top. And, um, yeah, so I guess kind of run first and then, and then hail Mary second. Now, where did you grow? Where did you go to high school? Where did you grow up? I I'm from Highlands ranch, Colorado, which is about just kind of where the, where I am now about 20, 25 minutes South of Denver in a suburb called Highlands ranch. Okay. So then tell me, so obviously, uh, you played, you might've played baseball, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah. Played a little baseball as well. Yep. So tell me about high school and you know, how you got looked at and, and, and what happened with that whole thing. Well, yeah, high school is great. Um, usually baseball is a lot of fun until you get 
to pro ball, which it's kind of backwards, but um, high school and college ball is a lot of fun. But uh, high school, um, I pitched way too – I mean, coming from where I came from, you didn't say anything when you were hurt. You just kind of got through it. Um, so I pit my coach wasn't maybe not the most knowledgeable guy, which we didn't have, and I'm not blaming him at all, but um, we didn't have like the science and the data and like the modus tracking systems to where, you know, if, if you're, if your arm is undergoing a lot of stress, I mean, we couldn't tell. It was just like, how's your arm feeling? I would do a few of these and then I'd be throwing the whole game. Um, so I pitched quite a bit. Uh, and I ended up blowing out. It was probably one of the first cases that for Tommy John with kids under 18 years old. So I, I ended up blowing out my elbow when I was 17 years old, um, just from all the pitching and, uh, and the weight program that we had probably wasn't conducive to, uh, what a thrower needs to be doing as well. So we were, everybody was on the football lifting program, bench press and all the rest. Um, so that probably didn't help my case out at all either. No. So, so just to make you kind of feel better, I've had an 11 year old with surgery, which is ridiculous. That should never, ever have 17, 18 should be, I mean, that's still crazy. So now you, um, are 17 so you you're obviously injured injured since high school like probably even earlier than that yeah your velocity because that's the that's the key word with everybody was what before you were injured I was still I mean I was uh I was blessed with a good arm um so I mean in high school I was I was looked at to be a a pretty high draft pick out of high school I was anywhere from like 90 to 94 left-handed um, so I was looked at pretty highly out of high school. Okay. So then who, you did – so you had surgery. Who did your surgery? Anyone famous? Uh, yeah, a guy by the name of Dr. Martin Boblick, uh, who's an incredible surgeon. He's at a Stedman Hawkins clinic, which a lot of people are familiar with. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so they do – they have a clinic in Vail, which is the, the more famous one. And Dr. Boblick is in uh, the, the Denver clinic, um, kind of closer to us. And he does the upper body – extremities where the the veil clinic does all the knees and the hips and all that stuff nice okay so then you go to college where do you go yeah i go to college i registered my first year um where'd you go to school i I go to the university of arizona and uh yep i went to university of arizona in tucson and uh great great baseball program uh hall of fame coach i got to play for one of the greatest coaches i've ever had in my life um and was a part of some pretty cool and awesome teams in a really good baseball conference so did you so when did you get did you f- f- go the senior year or did you get drafted and come out early what, what i got i got drafted as a redshirt sophomore um by oakland and i actually i kind of hurt my it's weird injury i hurt my ribs and kind of the intercostal uh cartilage in my rib cage so i didn't really have i finished not like i wanted to um and I slipped in the draft a little bit, and they uh, just kind of a long process in there with the draft and all that. So I decided to go back to school because uh, I knew I could be picked high. I knew I was gonna. I knew I could be in the first round. So I went back to school. Uh, took a little bit of a gamble, but we had a great team. So uh, I mean, who doesn't want to go to college for another year? I'd, I'd like to go to college now for another year. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> so now you get drafted in the first round, right? By who? Arizona Diamondbacks, yeah. So I go from Arizona to Arizona. Arizona. So um, 
uh, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but obviously we could look this up. So someone wrote you a, a big check. Yeah. Well, shoot, man, I'd love to get picked where I got picked. <laughs> right now, man, that they're making three million dollars from where I was picked. So, so what? What was? Yeah. So what? What? What was your money at your level, and what is it now? I got picked. Gosh, I don't even know what it is now. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not complaining at all, but I was picked 26th overall, especially as a reliever. That doesn't happen at all anymore. Yeah. Um, 26th overall, and my bonus was 1.33 million dollars. Today, it's probably easily double. I mean, it's they might be close to three million dollars at that pick today. So now, when they give you a bonus, like you get like one point. What? What? How does that? Because I I talk with I have another guy I work with uh, Jeff Getz, who he might know. He was in the Marlins organization, but he got like one point seven million. And it's like, yeah, you just they kind of just because you know I've I've never seen one point seven million. So just you know, if you can kind of explain, like they write you, it comes in a check. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, just they write you like here's a check, Dan. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look real. You get it in the mail, um, and when you see an envelope, it looks like a check, and it says the team on top of it. You know, it's going to be a pretty good day for you. Right. So yes, now- you get in two installments. So the first one, uh, you I mean, do the math. Um, so half a one three three after taxes, but it's still a nice chunk of change. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that was my next question. So they take the taxes. At, you're just getting the net of that check. They take the taxes out. Yeah, so two installments for that for that total sum. But it, it they obviously tax it before they give it to you. But it's, I I was still pretty happy about that number. And I'd, I'd be happy about the taxes taken out of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Me too. Right now, especially. So now the agent. Now who is your agent? A guy by the name of Mark Peeper. He was. Uh, they've changed their name a bunch of times, but they were SFX Baseball. Okay. Which, uh, I think that was probably their most famous name. They've changed it four different times now. Now, how does he – does he get – this? does the team send him money or do you then have to pay him? No, I, I pay him after that, yeah. You pay him. Yeah. Get right. what? How much? They get what, 10%, 5%? No, it was like 4 I think it's 4%. Okay. Yeah, well, so still nice. Still a good little deal. The gross, right? Not the net. They get 4% of the gross, right? 4% of all of it, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. For what? For what? Too. You know. It's like, man. Just, I I had him. My. Uh, I think I we kind of came together in 2007. We started working together, and then I got drafted. So really, I knew the guy for a year, and then I was paying him. Wow, Elena, would you like that? Take four percent of like 1.3 million. I don't, what what is? That? I don't even know. That's a lot. Of 1.3 million, yeah, I, I would find that acceptable. <laughs> We can live with that, right? Yeah, you know. I, I would say to most kids that are not looked at highly in baseball, I would tell them to go become, go get a law degree yeah. and become a sports agent. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not. Yeah, but the amount of the amount of kids that actually graduate with those degrees that actually become agents are are relatively small, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, I would highly recommend becoming a sports agent if you can. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's like fifty-three. Just so we do the math, it's about fifty-three thousand dollars. Not bad. Yeah, no, not bad for one college kid. Yeah, because they have they have a few guys, and then not they, bad. Yeah. They get paid from their big league guys too, which is a nice penny. Yeah, that's not that's that's not bad. So um, now, so what years were you in Arizona? Talk to what happened with that. Now? Well, two thousand eight. Um, I got drafted in two thousand eight. Yep. And uh, 
took a little while to sign. I don't know what the holdup was, um, but I only played for maybe two, three weeks that, that season. At the, I was very end. It took a while to sign for whatever reason. Um, so I didn't play too much that season, which I really wanted to get going after I got drafted. I really wanted to start my career, and but it took a few months to get going. And then uh, the next year, 2009, shows up and uh, go to Major League Camp, and I get sent to Double A uh, out of Major League Camp, and I'm only there for about a month, and then I get called up to the big leagues in May. From Double A. From Double A, yeah. So okay. I only pitch. I mean, I only have a handful, maybe 25, 30 innings before I go to the big leagues. That's awesome. So let's let's rewind something that I probably have never asked someone. That I need to know. Talk to me about what they do. Because now you have Tommy John surgery, right? So talk to me about the major league physical. What does it entail? What happens? Because you're essentially showing up hurt to some degree. I mean, you've had surgery on your arm, and your arm is probably, I'm guessing, not like it was when you were 16, and they just spent essentially $1.3 million on you. Talk to us about what they did for evaluating you, for your health. Not much. Um... There really was no physical after I got drafted. I remember, uh, shoot, it took a few months. I think once we signed the deal, um, I went up to Phoenix. I was I was in Denver. I was at home at the time, so I flew down to Phoenix, and um, they gave me an MRI on my shoulder and elbow. Okay. And then X-ray on shoulder and elbow, and gave me a couple of these. Kind of let's see with the range of motion here, which as you can see, my range is pretty good still. Um, okay that's pretty but, good yeah that's what they're like hey checks out good let's here we go let's get going i mean it was really it's really just a a doctor visit no one looked at how you moved no, no. One your mechanics no one looked at anything and they you know i mean i i'm happy for you that they wrote you a 1.3 million dollar check yeah that's just amazing to me and and i'm sure they write you know, like, for instance, you know, up here, I mean, the Red Sox just gave Chris Sale a gazillion bucks, and I knew he had a torn ulnar collateral ligament two years ago. Yeah. So it's amazing the money that just goes and goes and goes, and no one stops to look and be like, hey. And so when they say everyone passes the physical, and that's what I kind of figured it was, like literally a whole lot of – and then who does it? The doc – is it the team doc, the trainer? Who looks <laughs> – and that's the other confusing thing is a lot of people think the best doctors are the, the uh, professional doctors. They're not. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> um, they, they legitimately, I mean, they pay for that title. Yep. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah and when we get deeper into this talk here, um, I was examined. I, I hurt my shoulder a few years later in Detroit and got diagnosed with tendonitis. And I, so I came back. I'm like, this is not tendonitis, man. I know what that is. So I said, can I go see my buddy, Dr. Boblik in Denver, the guy that I trust that has known me since I was just a kid. Yeah. Um, so I went to Dr. Boblik and he gave me an MRI, a couple of tests. And I, this guy I trust, you know, as much as my parents, yeah. he goes, you have a slap tear, dude. <laughs> your, your labrum is, is not in good shape. So, and I was like, well, thank you for telling me that it's, it sucks, but now I know what's going on. It's not bicep tendonitis. So you, so you're in Detroit. Now, what is your, you know, because a lot of people will say different things about, you know, if you're missing location, it's elbow or shoulder. If your velocity downs this, you, so you had a really good year in Detroit, right? 
Yeah, I had a couple good ones. Yeah, yeah, I had a start. I thought I was going to be in the big leagues for 20 years, but uh, things changed quickly. Right, but during those years, you're still hurt, right? So what? I mean, what does your arm feel like every day? So I'm okay in Arizona, and then I get traded in the winter meetings of 2009. I go to Detroit. Uh, 2010 is smooth. 2011 is very smooth. 2012, I arrive in spring training, not feeling good. So what happened uh, between the end of the season and going to spring training? Do you think it just? Yeah. So I I got used a little bit. Um, I what they call excuse my French here for the yeah. for everybody, but just <laughs> dry. So when you get up in the bullpen. Um, yeah, so people that don't understand that, it's when you get up in the bullpen and uh, you're getting ready to go into the game and you don't go in the game and then you have to sit back down. Yeah. Um, that's referred to as a dry hump. And that I was – I got that a lot. And, um, you know, when you throw in 100% effort, 20 pitches in a row, and then you sit down for a little while, get back up and do it again in that same game, the 15 same. to 20, 15 to 20 as hard as you can, sit down – Get back up and do it again. I mean, it. You're looking at 60 pitches, full go. Before you, before you did. So before you even got in a game, yeah. Take you. So if you get the phone rang, and you're, they say, all right, Dan, get up. What you know? How many pitches until you're ready? And what intensity are you throwing those pitches at? Yeah. So if I could do that over again, I mean, it wasn't anybody's fault. Now that I wish I had the knowledge I do now. Um, cause you don't, when you're that young, I was 20, 23 or 24. And when you're young and stupid, you don't know any better. You're just like, well, I got to throw as hard as I can. Right. So I can get ready to get these big league dudes out. And, um, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have gone a lot easier and then, and then ramped it up for like the last four or five, but I would have saved my bullets as much as possible because I think that's, that stress <laughs> kind of what led to my shoulder just blowing up a little bit i gotta i gotta i'm sorry but this is what this is about so i gotta ask this question we have the manager the bench coach the pitching coach in the bullpen we have a bullpen coach what in god's name is that person doing when you are throwing as hard as you can three times a game doesn't that guy say dude settle down you're 24 we need you for the next 10 years doesn't anyone say anything to you yeah, and they do. I don't. I can't speak for a lot of other people, but I had uh, my first bullpen coach with Detroit is one of the best humans I've ever met. But you know, when you're you're young and you're and you're dumb and you're stubborn and you think you know what's best, you you're like f you, man. I know what I need to do. So for me, there, I mean, he he would tell me like, hey, man, let's save some bullets. But I'm feeling like I got to get in here. I got to get in here. I got to face Robinson Cano. I need to be full go right here so um you know that was my own stupidity I wish I could do it all over again that's one of my biggest things I wish I'd go back on is not throwing at that intensity all the time it was just something that um I know now and my arms in much better shape than it was when I was 24 and I'm 34 years old now so and Elena can attest to this rotator cuff not a problem Tommy John, not a problem. Ulnar nerve transplant, not a problem. Can fix that like it's nothing. Labrum, not so easy. So for those people on the call that don't understand the labrum, is we have the 
the head of the humerus that goes into the socket. And right on top of that is a nice piece of connective tissue. We have one in our hip too that really holds the ball into the socket. And that's called your labrum. And when that gets torn and we have a slap, which stands for, what does that stand for, Elena? Superior lesion something, whatever. Interior posterior, I believe. Yeah, yeah, some, something like that. I don't care about it. Not, it's not good. <laughs> Slap equals not, not not good. That's a, that's that's what that's what that's the acronym. Not good. And you know, I mean, that literally we talk about. You know, and you're in the middle of this course game testing. I mean, that's the first movement that that shoulder does is that labrum is involved. So Dan, tell us. I mean, that the fact that you're even throwing it, and we can we'll get into this at the velocity you are now with having that. So did you get that? I'm assuming you had to have gotten that repaired. I actually didn't. Um, Good for I, you, man. Yeah. So I had, and this is, this all goes back to my doctor that I had. That's fantastic. Good. Good for you. Cause yeah. I had to repair it. There's really nothing after you have, there's really nothing I can do. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of research from my side. Um, and I had a wonderful, this Stephen Hawkins team, I can't talk about them highly enough out here. That's great. Um, I had all the, the PT, all my buddy PTs that I had that I've known since I was 14 years old. Um, and, and the head surgeon, Dr. Boblik said, you know what? You could get the surgery, but I would not advise, if you want to throw at a high level again, I would not get the surgery because you don't know if you're going to come back the same. Right. And that was all I needed. As I said, I mean, He's I like this guy. And uh, that was all I needed to hear. So I was like, I'm not getting the surgery. I'm going to figure out another way to, uh, to get this fixed, to get this done. So what did you do? What's the other way? I, uh, I went a little bootleg with it and took a gamble and, and got some stem cells injected into my shoulder. So I did the stem cell and uh, PRP together. Yep. And so my shoulder for a little while was about this swollen. <laughs> Um, and when I would, I would hit it and the, it looked like a waterbed. I mean, I had so much fluid in my shoulder, but looking back, I mean, that was the greatest decision I've ever made as a pitcher was just to not get the surgery and go ahead and try to do this in the best way possible without getting that thing cut open. Uh, cause I felt like if I did do that, I might not be the same. So for those lay people out there, and trust me, I'm one of them too. So PRP and stem cells, basically taking a bunch of stuff, like Dan said, injecting it in there with the hope that it decreases the inflammation. You know, some will say it's going to repair your, your, your labor. But I mean, if we take an MRI of Dan's shoulder, it's still going to have some torn labor. But, you know, with anything, it's about, does it bother you? Because, you know, everyone who's got back pain, you know, will say, Everyone's got back and will come back to me and say, "Oh, I've got a, I've got a bulging disc." Yeah, you and fifty thousand. Everybody. I mean, at some point, everybody. It's whether it's symptomatic or not symptomatic. So, right. so that's a great result of both of those treatments together. That so you get all these. Then what? Then what? Take us, take us from there. What happens then? So I end up, uh, I get that done, and that probably takes about four to five weeks of just kind of we're. We're in relaxed mode. We're going to let those things really take hold and take shape in there, and I'm not going to do anything. Now, are you on the table list at this point, or what's going on with you? Yeah, so this is after the season. Uh, so I, I'm on uh, – I leave Detroit in 2012 after the World Series. Uh, my contract gets non-tendered because, obviously, I, I can't throw. I can't – I'm of no use. 
Right. Like it non-tendered after that. And then I decided to do this procedure because I want to continue playing. And then, uh, so I do that. And then I find the best guy that I can possibly find. And that's, uh, Dr. Tom house. And, uh, obviously if you're, if you know the baseball community, you know, Tom house. And, uh, I go out to see him and, and, uh, and I still do. I mean, I, I talk to Tom, um, as can much I, as I possibly can. Sure. Go ahead. I just went to war a little bit today, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't see anything, but uh, we, we, had a little, we had a little, we had a little, little, little Twitter warriors talking about, you know, gripping the ball as hard as you can. And yeah, no, I, I know it's a, he's a, a hot button in, uh, in baseball, but he, there's a lot of, he brings a lot of stuff to the table. So I, I go to see him and this is, I mean, I don't get my velocity back immediately. I, I do a lot of work and I see some great people. Um, one of them is, is, uh, Mike Reinold. Um, if you know, Mike, he's former Red Sox guy and, uh, he's, he's a wonderful therapist up in the Boston area. Um, he had a lot to do with it. Eric Cressy's another guy that I trust. Um, she's as much as anybody. Uh, he does some awesome things and then it's just kind of a group. And then my own research, uh, and then I get into like the Pete Agoskew program, which Agoskew is a posture alignment kind of process. So I kind of, I, and, and people need to, I guess, take more accountability for their own career. I never was like, this doctor's going to fix me and I'm just going to stick to that. Like I, I took responsibility for, for my own career. And I was like, I want to find the best things that, that I can find and kind of mold them into my own program and see what works. If it doesn't work, toss it out. Um, so I just kind of blend all these together and, uh, it's taken a ton of time and effort, but, uh, you know, 10 years later, I'm throwing as hard as I've ever thrown. I mean, I'm throwing 94 to 97 right now as a 34 year old, I just need to get another shot, but I've been, uh, I've been with 10 teams. So it's, I, I understand why teams are a little hesitant to give me, to give an old guy another shot. But uh, today, stuff-wise, it's probably the best I've ever had in my entire life. So you're, you're at, as a lefty, 94 to 97. And yeah. you essentially are having difficulty getting a job. Yes. In a league where people cannot throw strikes, especially relievers. <laughs> off-speed pitch. You cannot throw anything off-speed for a strike. Cannot last if we watch any World Series game at all you know, and cannot last more than four or five innings. Right. And then they're going to a reliever and you can't get a job. Why is yeah. that? What is happening? Tell us what, tell us in your opinion, what is going on that you, a veteran can't get a job. I, uh, I wish I, if, if I was making decisions, I would sure give myself a look, but, um, I, I don't know. I think it's just the influx of young players. They don't have to pay young guys, guys like me, to play. In, and obviously, there's no minor league season this year. But the last few years, uh, guys like me with with I got four years of of uh, major league time. So I mean, they're going to have to. Typically, they they pay guys like that a little more, but they're kind of going away from that and just having 21 to 23 year old kids in AAA and um, kind of phasing the older guy out. So there's a lot, not, and I'm not just talking about me, but there's a lot of really, really good pitching, a lot of, a lot of good pitchers that don't have a job right now. Um, and it's, it's pretty unfortunate because a lot of guys should have somewhere to pitch right now. 
Yeah, and I look at the pitching is bad. It's just throwing – and I, I joke about this all the time. Like, these guys just want cage throwers. Yeah, there's throwers, right? They're just guys that are trying to gas it up and weighted, throw it. Weighted ball throwers with no, – I mean, just zero feel. Um, yeah, it, it gets a little frustrating, but um, I feel like I owe it to myself to give it one last shot and then uh, kind of figure out what to do next. Yeah. So did you ever get your degree from Arizona? What's up with that? Well, no, I haven't. I left uh, – I, I only have a few cla- – I should probably do that now that you mention it. But I uh, only have a few classes left. I'm sure you could probably do it online since no one's going back to school for God. Yeah, yeah if this keeps up. And I got a lot of other stuff brewing right now too. But, uh, yeah, I, I might want to finish that. Yeah, right. A couple so- classes left. So tell us how you got on this platform. What happened and what do you think about it so far and what's your you've taken any of the courses in it? What's going on with the area scouts? Yeah, well, I, I just found this. I was just browsing around and uh, it popped up on uh, LinkedIn, I believe. I was just like, man, I'm just sitting here. I might as well try to make a few dollars. Um, <laughs> so I, that, that popped up and um, I just clicked on the thing and I talked to Lance and uh, he kind of referred me to Ryan LaVarnway, who I've, I've known. We played together in 2016, I think. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he just kind of told me what it was about. And then I was like, all right, well, let's let's go ahead and get through the uh, – got to the scout school, which was awesome. And then I'm probably on, like, PowerPoint or slide 20 or 21 right now getting through the game certification. Yeah. Wait, do you, wait till it comes to the test, buddy. Okay. Going to be <laughs> – <laughs> all right man well dan thank you elaine do you got any questions you must have you gotta have some questions like it's gotta be something like the, no the- i don't i've been i've been finding your journey very interesting i definitely think you should go back and finish those last couple courses Absolutely. uh you know you got so far don't give up now oh no i'm not it's just, it's a matter of finding some time here but once we we get it we're gonna go forward what would you do you know, it's one of those interesting things that you know you talk about at 34 you're one of the old guys oh yeah and, uh, not even close yeah, that's tough that's tough that you know so so fast you know you're, you're so young and then all of a sudden you're too old already but you're not you're not too old yet i was probably too old about five six years ago and i kept getting jobs so i um and i did not i was not thrown like this oh so so what what is your um What's your major? What's your degree going to mean? Oh, uh, well, it was in religious studies uh, and psychology was the minor. So I, I honestly think I have three or geez, I'm so close. I have three or five classes left. Oh, get that. So, get that. Yeah, I, I could probably slam that thing here pretty quickly. There you go. Get it done. Get it done. Right. Get it done. All right. Well, Dan. Thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. This is, uh, this is some really good information that people will uh, certainly use your journey just, you know, because not every day do you talk to someone who's played in the major leagues. And thank you so much for, for me and everybody else on the platform. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the time. All right. All right, everybody. That closes the show. Elena, you got anything else? We'll give you the last word. You should never do that. Everybody have a great night. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your summer. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.